Good morning. The first uh, reading this morning is from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. It can be found on page 1832 of the Large Print Bible and 820 of the Pew Bibles. So that's 820 in the Pew Bibles. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 18, and in the small print it appears to be on 686. Somehow the small print has become smaller since last week to me. And the large print, it is on page 1531. So Matthew 18, starting at verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out... He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, well, as you came in, you would have been offered, I think, an outline of the talk, so you might like to get that out. 
Um, and keep your Bible open to Matthew chapter 18. We'll be looking at that um, together in a moment. But let me, first of all, begin by praying for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us really clearly through it. Sometimes, Lord, the, the Bible is a bit hard to understand, but uh, sometimes it's really easy. We pray, Lord, uh, I feel, feel like this is one of those second times, Lord, where you're going to speak clearly to us. Uh, so, Lord, please help me not to get in the way of what you have to say. But we pray, Father, that we wouldn't just understand your word this morning, but that we would have the courage, that we would have the strength uh, to be able to put it into practice in our lives. Father, we ask this in Jesus, for Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, it's really great being part of a church, don't you reckon? Uh, what are some of the good things about being part of church? Can anybody think of anything good about being part of a church? Seeing people every week is encouraging, isn't it? To be able to just, uh, just to see beautiful faces, nice. it's nice to, be, to come and worship together, isn't it? To come and um, meet with God together. Yeah, what else? The minister is the, is the highlight of the church. That's exactly right. It's a crawler. Uh, yeah. Sorry? In all modesty. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, what else? What else is good about being part of a church? Yeah, support. So when you're going through difficult times, it's lovely to have a family around you, isn't it, um, to, to care for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly, isn't it? That that kind of fellowship that that we're bound by Jesus in a way that uh, that probably wouldn't buy like this group of people probably wouldn't get together for any other reason. If you think of it that way, uh, this group of people we're quite a disparate group, aren't we? And it's interesting that no matter where you go, uh, Emily's. Some of you will know Emily's been in Lancaster for the last uh, six or five months, um, studying over there. And one of the really encouraging things that she shared with with us is that uh, one of the first weeks she was there, she went to church in in uh, in Lancaster, um, middle of, well middle of nowhere compared to here, I guess. Um, and people and as she walked in, she was welcomed with open arms. That day, she was invited back to lunch for, with somebody uh, as a poor student, that kind of thing. She was really warmly welcomed into the church fellowship. How beautiful is that to be able to go to the other side of the world uh, and to be warmly welcomed in? We had the same experience a couple of weeks ago in Zambia. We went and joined a church of Black Africans, and we stood out like a sore thumb. But um, but we were welcomed in there as part of the family. It's great, isn't it? I hope that people, you know, say you came from Sweden perhaps and you're here visiting. Uh, I hope that you would find it uh, encouraging and welcoming. I hope that you would find that, Harry, is that right? Uh, it's lovely to come and to, because we have this fellowship in Jesus, isn't it? We have this connection with, uh, with Jesus that connects us to each other. It's beautiful, isn't it? And it's really encouraging, I think, um, to see the body of Christ working together. I remember at Easterfest um, seeing different people doing different things. There were some people who were cooking and there were some people who were moving furniture around and there were some people who were doing advertising flyers. And there were some people who were looking after kids and there were some people who were doing talks like, and doing music. There's all different people involved in all sorts of different ways. Uh, the body of Christ working together beautifully. Sometimes church can just be so, so good. But there are also times when church can be not so good, uh, when churches can, have, can be full of pain, can be full of bitterness, uh, 
can be full of anger and even hatred. Sometimes churches can be really toxic places to be with, with factions of people fighting against each other and arguing over, over different issues. Uh, sometimes it can be really difficult. I wonder what you do or how you respond when something difficult happens in church or something uncomfortable happens or, or somebody does something that offends you. What would you do in church when somebody sins against you? Um, there's all sorts of different things you can do. Or you can get back at them. You can uh, talk about them behind their backs. You can uh, ignore them. So that they, as they walk in and say hello, you just totally walk past them, ignore them. Uh, or you can leave. Plenty of people move churches. They go to one church, they stay there for a while, somebody offends them, and they move to the next one. And they get offended there, they move to the next one, and they continue on the merry-go-round. What do you do when, when uh, bad things happen in churches? Because they do happen. Well, Jesus' command uh, from today's passage is actually really simple. Sometimes in the Bible, things are hard for us to understand, um, and we, we, have to, we have to work really hard to, to get, understand the meaning. But I think in this situation, things are really, really simple to understand. What's difficult here is putting it into practice. <laughs> Jesus' command is to forgive. Jesus' command is to forgive. Now, this passage, actually, Matthew eighteen twenty one starts off on the whole topic of forgiveness. Jesus has just been talking about forgiveness. Um, and Peter comes up to him and he asks him this question. And you've got to give G- um, Peter a bit of a rap here, I reckon, because he's got a really, it's a really great question. Have a look in, in 18 verse 21. Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty impressive question. Because just imagine, just imagine that, uh, that you, your car's broken down, it's, it's, uh, it's in, the, in the doctor's being fixed, and you can't get to church. And so you ask uh, Bruce, um, just pick Bruce out of the air, not because there's any reason, but, um, and you, you say to Bruce, Bruce, would you mind picking me up on the way to church? Um, and Bruce says, sure, because he's a lovely guy. And he says, sure, I'll pick you up, not a problem. So I'll, I'll be there at about um, quarter to ten, because I know you love to be at church on time, don't you? Um, and so I'll pick you up uh, nice and early and, and bring you to church. And so you, Sunday morning comes along, uh, 20 to 10, you're getting ready, um, you're all ready to go. Quarter to 10? No, Bruce. 10 to 10? No, Bruce. 5 to 10? 10 o'clock, quarter past, half past, Bruce hasn't come. Maybe he's slept in. I don't like Bruce. Maybe he's forgotten. Maybe he's just, just deliberately done it. I don't know. If he does it one Sunday, well, you can, forget, you can forgive that, couldn't you? That's pretty easy. What about if you, you said, well, Bruce says, well, I'll do it next week. Sure enough, next week rolls around. Quarter, quarter two, ten two, five two, ten past. No, Bruce. Two weeks in a row. Hang on a minute. Oh, once I can understand, but twice? What about the next week? Does it again? The fourth week, the fifth week, the sixth week? Seven times. Could you forgive Bruce York for for failing to pick you up seven weeks in a row? I mean, shame. Of course, you choose Bruce because this would never happen, right? But, But... after a couple of weeks, you'd start to feel not just a little bit, oh, well, <laughs> funny old Bruce, but you'd go, 
hang on a minute. That's, he said he'd come. This is really not good enough. You know, like I can't get to church. There's no other way of me getting to church. And after a while, you'd start to feel pretty annoyed. Maybe you feel like he's doing it deliberately. Be really hard to keep on forgiving seven times. So I reckon that's a pretty good question. If you could do it seven times, you'd be doing pretty well, I reckon. Maybe, you, maybe you're holier than I am. Jesus' response to Peter is absolutely astounding. Jesus says to Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 or 70 times seven times. Like I haven't got that many fingers. I can, remember, I can count to seven, but when I get to 10, 11, then, I go, then I go through a couple of times. I go, how many times have I gone through? Blast. I'm going to start again. Uh, I, I, I can't count to 77 on my fingers. I'd lose count. And that's the whole point, of course. Jesus is saying, don't even bother counting. You've got to keep on, keep on and on and on, forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Which is just ridiculous, isn't it? How could we possibly forgive like that? Surely Jesus is just exaggerating. Surely it doesn't really mean that we keep on forgiving. Well, Jesus tells them the parable. We've been looking at parables over the last couple of weeks, um, and they're all about the kingdom of heaven, what it's like to be in the kingdom of heaven. And as people who are part of the kingdom of heaven, this parable is for us. It's a bit of a, a roller coaster of emotion, this parable. Um, and it's got a real sting in the tail. So uh, let's, let's hoe into it. But it's a great parable. Sometimes people call it the parable of the unmerciful servant. Um, although actually, I think actually it would be more appropriately called the, the parable of the forgiving king. Um, because the king, in many ways, is actually the centre of this story. You see, the story starts with the king. Um, it must be um, tax time or something um, because the king is trying to uh, balance his accounts. And so he gets all the books out and he's going through. And as he's going through the audit, um, he comes across an anomaly. There's all this money missing. And they investigate and they realise that one of the servants owes him millions of dollars. If you look at the bottom, if you've got the, the large print Bibles, I'm not sure if it's in the smaller print Bibles, in the large print Bibles there's a little footnote at the bottom. gives you a bit of an idea. Um, in the footnote D it says, uh, in Greek, the 10,000 talents, says the talent was worth about 20 years of a day's labourer's wages. So if you're a, a normal labourer working a, a day, you know, um, no, working normal days, it's, 20 years is one talent. This guy owns 10,000. So it's 10,000 times 20 years worth of salary. That's what this guy owes. Now, I don't know if you, you, you probably, you've probably heard this parable before. I wonder if you've ever thought, I wonder how he got that much in debt. It made me wonder, how on earth did, he, how on earth did a servant get that? I mean, that's a lot of Macca's runs. You know, can I borrow 10 bucks to go to McDonald's? It's, it's a lot of runs to, the, to McDonald's, isn't it? Um, so it must have been something. Maybe he's borrowed money to, uh, to invest in a business and it's failed. But that would be pretty big business. That's like he's trying to buy IBM or something. You know, is, is IBM still around? Um, it, it's, it's, he's trying to buy something huge and it's just flopped. Um, or, or maybe as they've gone through this, this audit, they've realised that this money wasn't lent. Maybe it was taken. 
Maybe this, um, this servant has been siphoning off the cash just over the years. Um, I mean, he must have had a wicked gambling problem to get rid of, to lose all that money, for it to disappear, for him to have, not be able to pay it back. Whatever the problem is, this guy is in big, big trouble. There's no way on a servant's wages he's ever going to pay this money back. So I don't know how you feel about him. Do you feel sad for him? Do you feel like a bit kind of, well, he's getting what he deserves if he gets himself in that much trouble, if he's so unwise? Or maybe, maybe he's a bit of a scoundrel and he's taken the money. Whatever it is, this guy's in trouble. He comes before the king and in those days, the appropriate punishment for what he has done is for him and his family to be sold as slaves. Now, we think of slaves, we think of people on the bottom of boats um, all chained together. But in the first century, um, slavery wasn't, well, in many cases, wasn't too bad. Um, it was a way when you got yourself into financial trouble, you could become a slave to a family and sometimes you'd be treated quite well. Um, you'd have a roof over your head, you'd have, a, have, a, have meals uh, each day, uh, your family could perhaps stay together um, as a slave. So it may not have been too bad. But for this guy, it's, it's a complete disaster. How could I possibly be um, go, sent as a slave? It's, it's an absolute horrible prospect. And so in verse 26, he falls on his knees before the king. At this, a servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. Please, please, please. Don't, send me, don't sell me off. I will pay you back. Which, of course, is ridiculous. Because there's no way he's going to pay him back. He goes, millions and millions of dollars, thousands of years' worth of wages. How could he possibly hope to even make a dent in the payment? He's got, he's got Buckley's chance, really, hasn't he? But what the king says is just incredible. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Notice what he did. He doesn't say... He says, look, I see that you owe me a lot of money. And so what we're going to do is we're going to set out a plan. And so you're going to continue to work for me, but you know, three quarters of your wages are going to go off to pay off the debt. You can have some to pay for your food, but we're going to work, off, we're going to work this off. It may take all your life, but, but you're going to... He doesn't do that, does he? What does, the, what does the king do? He totally wipes the debt. He says, you owe me what you could never pay, he totally wipes it off. It's incredible, isn't it? Astounding that this, that this king, who is owed so much money, and even to a king, millions and millions of dollars is, is worth chasing after, but even though he owes so much, the king just lets him off. It's why, of course, I feel like this story should not just be, not be called the unmerciful servant, but the merciful king. What an incredible king it is. It's absolutely astounding thing that this king does. Let's him off the, this, this terrible debt. Now, how do you feel now? You've been, watching this, you've been listening to this story and you, as, you're, as, as Jesus is telling you, going, this is awesome. What a great story. What an uplifting story for Jesus to tell on a Sunday morning. Um, as we come to church, we hear about this king who's so kind, who's so generous. What a lovely, lovely story. If it ended there, but it doesn't. The story goes on, it has a very nasty twist to it. Because the servant who has been forgiven so much walks out of the king's presence 
And as he walks out, he comes across one of his fellow servants. Now, it's not somebody who's under him, but somebody who's equal with him. He comes across this servant and he remembers. Hang on a minute. Last Friday night, we were down at the pub and I paid for you your taxi ride home. Now, you need to pay me back for that. And the guy goes, well, look, I, I, ha- I, ha- I haven't got any cash on me. Um, if you can just wait till payday, I will pay you back. And the guy says, no, you need to pay me back right now. And he's so angry, he grabs hold of his neck. And he's like, you've got to pay me. It's like Homer Simpson. You're like, you've got to pay me back right now. And the guy's like, I can't pay you back. I haven't got any money. I'll pay you back on payday. The guy is so angry. He takes him by the collar and he drags him off to the court. Judge Judy's there. And he brings him before Judge Judy and he, he, he states his case. This guy, I took, we went to the pub the other night and he didn't pay, pay his shout and I paid for his taxi and he hasn't paid me back. This guy needs to be thrown in prison until the money comes in so he can pay me back. Well, Judge Judy's had a hard day and she's sick and tired of these people coming and talking about these irritating matters so she just goes right that's it you need to go to jail off you go until you're the you pay the money back how do you feel now about this this servant how do you feel about him he's a nasty piece of work isn't he what a rat bag how could you possibly do that what kind of a person must he be to treat someone, especially after what he's just been through. He's walked out, he's got the glow of that mercy and forgiveness still there, and he walks out and he just flips and he becomes this tyrannical kind of greedy, horrible person. How could he do that? It makes me feel angry. It makes me feel so annoyed at him. It's like when you watch those... Uh, those uh, current affairs programs, and they always have the uh, the shonky um, investment dealer who's who's gone into the war veterans' home and has fleeced them of all their money, and they've run off, leaving them with no- with nothing. You know those stories. Um, just makes you feel angry, doesn't it? This poor, helpless person, and this person just totally rips them off. Just go, oh, I hate it when some people do that. Makes me so angry. But the story doesn't end there because the king gets wind of it and the king calls him in. And now my, my anger turns to kind of a self-righteous kind of, wow, that's fantastic because I know that he's going to be in trouble. And the king says to him, listen, listen to what the king says to him um, as he comes back. Um, you wicked servant, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And that's exactly what this guy deserves, isn't it? He's been forgiven so much, and the king says to him, Look, I forgave you. Surely you should have forgiven just like me. I'm a forgiving king. I expect my, my, my subjects to be forgiving. He says, surely you've received such forgiveness. How could you possibly be so mean-spirited? And he gets exactly what he deserves. He chucks him in jail. 
And at that point, I'm just sitting back going, yes, that's exact. It's like when you're driving up the M1 and this guy comes flying past you twice the speed limit. He cuts you off and almost pushes you into the gutter. Uh, and you turn around the next bend and you find a policeman there. He's pulled him over and you go, yes, justice is done. You know that feeling? Yeah, that's how I feel at the end of this story. What a great story. This guy is a, does terrible things. He gets what's coming to him. I'd love it if the story ended right there. I'd feel great. But Jesus doesn't end it there. There's one more verse. I really wish I could cut this verse out. Um, it'd be great, but I can't. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is how God will treat you unless you forgive. Suddenly it's dawning on me. This is not just a story to make me feel good or make me feel self-righteous. This is a story about me. It's a story about you. I, feel, I now know what it feels like to be King David. Remember King David when he um, uh, had an affair with Bathsheba and then killed Uriah and then Nathan comes to him with that story about the guy who steals the, the lamb. You remember that story? Um, and David gets really angry and then Nathan says, It's you! That's what Jesus does. This story is you and it's me. Jesus' logic is so simple. Think of all the things that we have done in our lives. Um, there's a, a great evangelistic tract called Evangelism Explosion. And one of the illustrations they use to try and help people to get an idea of the gravity of your sin, they say, they say try and think of a day, where, imagine a day where you can get through the whole day and only do three sins. I think that'd be a pretty good day. So only three times have you been a bit selfish or a bit greedy or perhaps you've lusted or whatever. Only three, only three things in a day. If you could do that for a whole day, I think you'd be doing pretty well to only do three things wrong. Now just imagine if you were able to keep that up and to go for a whole year with only doing three sins a day. How many is that? Give or take. It's about a thousand. It's about a thousand things you've done wrong in a year. And that's a good year. Now imagine you're able to keep that good year up for the whole of your life. 70, 80, 100, however many years we live, that thousand turns into 70,000, 80,000, 100,000. Think of all the things that God has forgiven us. And what has he done with this debt that we owe? Does he say to us, right, I know you've done lots of bad things, and so what we're going to do is this. You're going to give this money to the poor, and you're going to help little old ladies across the street because little old ladies need lots of help across the street. And you're going to uh, uh, you're going to help out in the canteen at school, and you're going to do. The, and he, he puts forward a uh, a program so that you can pay back these things. Is that what God does? Is that what God does? There's a couple of people going. Mm, no, that's not what God does. What does He do with our debt? He wipes it. When Jesus dies on the cross, he takes all of our sin. He totally sets us free. Every single thing, every hateful thought, 
Every rebellious action, gone. Even the fact that we've turned our back on the, the living God himself, even that is forgiven. Our slate is clean. We are just like this guy. And we can never pay it back. That's why God never asks us to. He never asks us to pay him back for what he's done for us. He just asks us to accept our salvation as a gift. Think of all that we've been forgiven. Now think of Bruce York. Think of Bruce York and he's forgetting to pick us up for church. Or maybe think of the person that you, that you can think of who, who said that thing to you that really made you feel, uh, feel small, that you're finding it hard to forgive. Or, or think of that person who changed the, the, uh, the way the church was set up uh, and you didn't like it. Or think about that person who, uh, who uh, did something in a service that you found offensive. Or think about that person who, uh, who you don't like the look of or whatever it might be. Think about the things that people have done to you that you just hold on to. How could we possibly, in the light of God's forgiveness of us, hold on to those, those things? This is actually a really simple passage. It's a really simple story, a really simple message. And I hope I haven't gotten in the way of it. We need to forgive If we want to be like our Heavenly Father, he is the forgiving king. And so we now live in the forgiveness kingdom. We are to be people of forgiveness like God is. Now, that is not always easy. In fact, sometimes it can be really, really hard. But this is what Jesus calls on us to do. It can be an incredibly hard thing for us, particularly when somebody has done something really wrong, not just being being forgiven gotten to be picked up, but when people, maybe somebody has abused you or somebody has really hurt you, somebody has taken away someone you love, to forgive in that circumstance is so, so difficult, which is why it's so encouraging in the passage just before this, um, when Jesus is actually talking about the whole process of, of forgiveness and how that looks in the church, um, Jesus says, um, for there I, I am with you. When two or three gather in my name, there I am with you. It's not just talking about coming to church and God is there. It's talking in the, in to, in the, the sphere of forgiveness. When it's hard to forgive, God is there. Now, I'm not going to pretend that this is an easy thing for us to do. But this is what our God is like. And this is what he calls on us to do. So when you came in this morning, I'm not sure what you were Hoping to come out of church, but I, I don't know if you were hoping to get a challenge, but that's, the, that's, what, we, that's what you're getting. Um, as we read the Bible today, Jesus wants to ask each one of us, is there something that's just really sticking in your crawl that you, that you really cannot let go of? Maybe there's a hurt, maybe there's a pain that somebody has inflicted upon you that you just cannot let go of. Whatever it is, let me encourage you to look at your forgiving king. To forgive and forget. It's a hard thing, isn't it, Joyce? It's a hard thing for us to do, to forgive, and then not to keep pulling it back up again and again and again. And yet that's what Jesus calls us to do. He doesn't just do it. He doesn't just call us to do it. He actually does it. Jesus is the model, isn't he, of forgiveness. Look at him on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
It's an incredible, incredibly hard thing that Jesus asks from us. Very simple, but really hard. So let me pray that God would help us, whatever it is that we are holding on to, that we would be able to let go, that we'd be able to give it to him and learn to forgive. Let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we we thank you uh, for the amazing forgiveness that you have poured out upon us. Um, It's incredible to think of all that we have done, the gravity of our sin, rejecting and uh, turning away from you, but, but Lord, you've wiped our slates clean. So Lord, we pray that you would teach us to be like you. I think this is probably one of the hardest things you ever ask us to do, Lord, to forgive. Father, I pray particularly for the people here this morning who have been sinned against in a really huge way. Father, I pray that you would give them grace. I pray that they may, pray that they may be able to experience your spirit working in them and changing them, softening their heart so that they can let go of the pain. Father, please help us to be not just a church that is happy and smiley and, and nice, but a church that even forgives when hard things happen. We ask this in Jesus' name, and so his name is glorified amongst us. Amen.